0: Please can you remind me if you if
1: you'll be so kind I'm Staring at Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm Laurie LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer Speaks. We have a fascinating show today, and we're going to be talking about cooking and your brain and how to live a healthy lifestyle. Um, but before we get to that, I always get new listeners, and so I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Alzheimer's Speaks and who we are and what we do. Um, bottom line, we're an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort around the world. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and having these everyday conversations like we do on, on um, Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, that we can really help people learn to live gracefully with the disease. We can give them great educational information and help remove um, stigmas that are attached to the disease and, and just give them hope. And so thank you so much for joining us. Um, At our core, Alzheimer's Speaks also believes very strongly that the only way we're going to win this battle against dementia is to do it in a collaborative fashion. And that's why I love my job. I am the luckiest girl in the world that gets to interview people all over the world doing just fantastic work um, to improve our dementia care culture. And this collaboration, I know, is working out there because, you see, all of your likes, your clicks, and your shares with our platforms, be it the radio, if it's our Dementia Chats uh, webinars where our experts have dementia, if it's our blog, our YouTube channel, um, if you're going on the cruise with us that we're doing, um, working with dementia-friendly communities um Information on memory cafes, um all these different avenues that we have out there. Um your likes, your clicks and your shares have have raised awareness of, of our work. And um through that we were recognized by Dr. Oz and ShareCare as the number one influencer online, and that would not have happened. Without all of you, so A, I want to thank you, and B, I want to say, keep it up because it, you know, it's not just raising Alzheimer's speaks; it's raising everyone's voice, which is truly our goal. We were also lucky enough to be acknowledged by <clears throat> Maria Shriver as an architect of change for humanity, and um, you know what a thrill that was to be out in California with her for Move for Minds and. One of the gals that's with us today actually was uh, with me out in California for Move for Mind. So why don't I just go ahead and introduce you um, to our guests here today, and that'll be, I think, the best way to, to roll into this segment. Dr. Annie Fenn is an obstetrician, and she's also a gynecologist who teaches about Um, living a brain healthy lifestyle in cooking with foods that nourish and protect our brain Um, her work um, is called Brain Works Kitchen which I just love her website and she has cooking classes that are based on the latest evidence based research and this gal is so full of energy. She was just such a trait to meet out in Irvine, California, when I was there uh, for Maria's event. So welcome, welcome, Dr. Fenn. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you, Lori. Well, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Now, um, is it is it okay if I call you Annie versus Dr. Fenn? Or... Absolutely. Okay. And... Um, Annie um, has a colleague um, who we're just honored to have with us as well, Dr. Martha Stern. And she is a cognitive health specialist, and she's also the founder and the director of St. John's Cognitive Institute, and the creator of BrainWorks, which is a six-week dementia prevention program. And together, um, they are helping Jackson Hole community, where they're from, um, age with intention of maintaining a brain brain health and um, also to help prevent and delay Alzheimer's. So I'm just thrilled to have both of these ladies with us today. How are you doing, Dr. Stern?
2: I'm doing fine, Lori. Thank you so much for inviting me
1: well thanks for thanks for coming i'm going to kick this off um, first in in talk with you, Dr. Stern. Can you tell us what brain works the Brain works program really is and and how did you how how and why did you start it?
2: I'd be happy to um, uh, so i uh, actually have been practicing um, uh, I'm an internal medicine specialist first and I've been practicing in Jackson since 1984 and I got interested in memory medicine um, Approximately 15 years ago when I the patients that were getting older that I've been taking care of for 20 years started saying they were concerned about their memory and I realized and often they would bring it up as kind of a dirty little secret at the end of, of a one-hour physical on their way out the door. Mm-hmm. And um, I realized I did not have the training to answer that question, you know. And so this is uh, – before I went into inter- internal medicine, I've been interested in neurology and psychology. And so cognitive medicine uh, became a, a passionate interest of mine Um further uh, fueled by the fact that both my parents uh, died of dementia, so of a very personal involvement. So I started the Cognitive Institute after getting some training at both Harvard um, with their clinic and then some official training called a mini fellowship at the University of Utah Memory Center in 2008. And the clinic started uh, with... Um, a visionary CEO here at our hospital, and we've been going ever since. Um, BrainWorks is um, my uh, effort to address lifestyle changes because we don't have anything right now. We we have no disease-modifying drugs. We have no uh, cures. We have no prevention. Uh, medications Um, research in Alzheimer's disease is growing but is vastly behind research in cancer and and heart disease so I uh, was inspired by a program that one of my colleagues started in uh, Beth Israel Hospital in Boston um, called the brain fit club and I took a look at that and I said, well, we can do that here. So we created our own program addressing, um, it's popular now to talk about the pillars of, of pillars of dementia prevention. And so we have five pillars that we address in our six-week program. And we, Annie and I will be talking also about a program we're doing the end of October where we're doing an immersion program, getting all of the training into one week. And we can explain why we're doing it that way. But um, the first pillar is um, aerobic exercise, uh, which has been shown time and again in the research, uh, in peer-reviewed research, to reduce significantly reduce the risk uh, for developing dementia or pushing it off a few years. Nothing can prevent it that we're aware of, but lifestyle changes reduce the risk. I prefer to use that term. The Mediterranean diet and other variations of that, which Annie will address more specifically, is another pillar. Um, Identifying and reducing stress has been shown to reduce the risk for Alzheimer's disease. Um, Our next pillar is cognitive and social stimulation, and for this we use uh, a computer training program which um, has been shown, has been studied quite extensively. It's called Brain HQ, and um, we've been getting, uh, seeing some significant results. We've had three cohorts now of of, of classes of BrainWorks, and uh, we've had a lot of enthusiasm about it. Um, including the computer training and benefits of that. Uh, the the uh, final pillar, which I added recently, is the importance of sleep, and I can go into that later. I don't want to spend too much time without letting Annie get, get her uh, a word in about uh, what she has to say.
1: Okay, wonderful. Well, those sound like great, great pillars. Um, Annie, before I um, get into finding out from you exactly what the Brainworks Kitchen is, can you let our audience know if you've been touched by dementia, you know, in your uh, circle of influence and and family and friends?
0: Uh, Yes, of course. So um, I have a mother who was diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment, um, which is the earliest stage of dementia, um, and this just happened last year and I've been working in dementia prevention for much longer than that. Um, so I am being personally touched by it now um, in ways that so many families are in the the very beginnings of coming to grips that a member has dementia. Um, and there's a lot there that I'm learning from uh, that I can share with my clients as well. But I have to say I was first interested in dementia back when I was practicing OBGYNs. Um, I specialized in menopausal health care for the last 10 years of my practice. And um, so I was the person who was always helping women get through menopause. And I can't tell you how many times I've heard a woman say, I think I'm getting early Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they could be 38 years old, they could be 39 years old, they could be 50 something. Um, but I became very interested in the cognitive aspects of menopause and the symptoms it causes and also dementia prevention um, in that group of women who are going through a, a significant life stage. So that's definitely
1: where my interest became peaked. I would say. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Well, why don't you tell us about the BrainWorks kitchen? I just think it just sounds like a really cool concept and, um, and just, I don't know, just the title itself, I, I think, makes a really large statement. So um, tell us, you know, why you picked that title and, and what what act- actually is it?
0: Um, absolutely. Well, the Brainworks Kitchen is a spinoff from Martha's program, Brainworks. Um, Martha and I have been talking over the years. Um, I work as a writer now, mostly writing about food and health. And I would call Martha to ask her opinion on this, that, or the other thing. I'd be writing about gluten-free diets or pros and cons of raw milk and things of that nature. So I called her up one day and said, um, this was in 2015, and the MIND diet study had just come out of Rush University. And I was writing about it. And I said, Martha, what do you think of this? And she was really excited about it. And so we started a conversation based on our common interests um, about dementia prevention and me you know, educating people through my writing and through classes. Um, so she invited me to be part of the BrainWorks program to teach the culinary portion of it, the cooking classes, and some of the lectures around nutrition. Um, so that's what, how we've, um, we've worked together on BrainWorks. BrainWorks Kitchen kind of spun off because people would hear about BrainWorks, but didn't have time to come, or they couldn't commit to the 6 week class. So I started having people all over the place invite me to their cities, and give BrainWorks cooking classes there. Um, I've been teaching at a a health and wellness destination spa in Cade, Mexico called Rancho La Puerta. They have a beautiful cooking school, and I do BrainWorks kitchen classes there now, Um, and basically teaching all over the place. So I think of BrainWorks kitchen as a traveling cooking school, and I'm willing to talk to anybody and cook with anyone who wants to get a group of people together to learn about the lifestyle changes and especially all the amazing foods you can eat that can actually impact your impact your brain in a positive way.
1: Oh, very and the cool. other
0: thing Brainworks Kitchen is, is it's an online community. I created a website called brainworkskitchen.com, mostly a place for my students to come back to, to get updates on the latest research, because the science is changing constantly. Every time I give a class, I swear I change it based on something that is coming out of the new literature about dementia prevention, because it's changing that quickly. Um, So it's an online community for people to access recipes, information, read about the science from the beginning to the end and, and gain a a better understanding of the things they can be empowered to do.
1: Okay. Well, and I've been on your, um, your website and it's, it's really, it's just kind of a fun little website. I love your, your logo and the food just looks fantastic that you have on here. And I see that you share recipes and you've got your events listed and, Um you know, it's it's very easy to maneuver and very inviting. Um the way you got that. That was the intention. (laughs) Yeah. Good job. Good, good, good job. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the the five pillars of prevention um that you use to teach brain work students and you know how how that can help them live a brain-healthy lifestyle. Can we break down each one of those? And then, um, I don't know, you tell me, what would be best? Uh, Martha, would it be good for you to go through these, or can we kind of ping-pong back and forth between the two of you in terms of how these are applied? Which would you prefer?
2: I think ping-ponging would be fine, especially uh, on the diet pillar for Annie, because she's got so much experience with that. Um, and um, I'd be happy to tackle the first one, which is um, exercise.
1: Okay, sounds good.
2: And when I give talk, so I give several talks uh, during the class. Um, and you mentioned the the six week class. So what we're doing at the end of October is consolidating uh, all of that information into one one week class, um, so that what we found is a lot of people who work want to do this class, but we we have not been able to offer it uh, outside of working hours. So this allows us to do that. Um, We have morning classes and then evening classes, and then people can go to work during the day. Um, So the exercise aspect is, Has been well documented in peer-reviewed medical literature, uh, which constantly comes in um, regarding both prevention of heart disease and uh, dementia. And one of the one of our uh, statements that I make frequently and is quoted um, is seen in the medical literature is, "What's good for the heart is good for the brain." Mm -hmm. So, it's only recently uh, that dietary changes um, have been showing up in the literature as also being good for the brain, though they've been shown to be good for the heart. So the aerobic minimum, which was established by Kenneth Cooper, the sort of the godfather, the father of aerobic exercise back in the 50s, is still true that about approximately 30 minutes of regular aerobic exercise, meaning getting your heart rate up and keeping it up, for about 30 minutes, at least three times a week. That's the aerobic minimum. More recently, um, the studies have been showing that um, exercise um, up to 45 minutes three times a week or 150 minutes total per week are even more effective in reducing risk for dementia. And uh, again, uh, this is based, uh, there was a very interesting, article, a prospective study in one of the medical journals a few years ago that took a group of people over age 65 and they gave, uh, people with normal cognition, they gave one group um, the task of aerobic exercise for 45 minutes three times a week and the other group were not sedentary. They did yoga and weight work and everything, all other major factors were uh, similar in terms of diet and uh, sleep, etc. cetera. Uh, they measured the, with volumetric MRI, they measured the size of the hippocampus before the study and one year, only one year later. And the size of the hippocampus increased 2% in the aerobic exercise group and decreased 1% in the non aerobic group. Um, like a lot of, um, uh, heavily researched studies, the conclusions were: this looks hopeful. Um, that the hippocampus, which is the major short-term memory part of the brain, and which goes is is most affected initially by Alzheimer's disease, um, that this is very hopeful in terms of generation of new cells, and that may be the way it reduces risk. We also know that aerobic exercise uh, increases something called a hormone uh, – it's called a neurotrophic factor called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, BDNF, that aerobic exercise increases that. So we think that that increases the new cells and connections in the brain, and we think that's how it helps reduce risk.
1: Okay, Great. Thank you. Um, Annie, you want to tell us a little bit about diet? I know that, that Martha had mentioned the the Mediterranean diet. Is that your kind of favorite, or um, do you believe that there's a, a mixture of diets? Well, I do
0: believe there is a mixture. No one really knows what the best diet is to prevent dementia. Um, and so I look at it as my job is running BrainWorks Kitchen is to read all the studies, pick out the pieces from each study that make the most sense and have the best evidence behind them and then turn it into like really easy, really delicious food that people can make that's just not too difficult to do. Um, the thing about nutrition science is that it has really exploded in the last three years. That's why you're starting to hear doctors talk about nutrition. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I never took a nutrition class in medical school, um, you know, that was back in the 80s. but um, you know, doctors are getting more interested in nutrition, and this is a very good development, and mostly because we have data now that shows that if we recommend that people eat a certain way, then we have data that shows it helps. Doctors don't like to make recommendations that they can't hang their hat on. So um, the three things that have changed in nutrition is that epidemiologists, the experts who are looking at groups of people, they're now studying people to see if how they eat over time like a Mediterranean diet, has an effect on Alzheimer's disease. Um, Researchers are also looking at single or multiple nutrients to see if they play a role. Things like omega-3 fatty acids, caffeine, vitamin D, or um, curcumin, which is one of the active ingredients in turmeric, which has been in the news a lot. And there's tons of studies on turmeric and its effects on the brain. And then researchers are also looking at the way we eat affects Alzheimer's. You know, Should we restrict our calories or should we fast periodically? And how does that affect the brain? There's a theory that the brain needs 12 to 14 hours of not being bombarded by glucose, so it has a chance to clean up the byproducts of metabolism. All those free radicals that tear through the brain cause inflammation. So researchers are studying how the brain repairs itself and if how we eat is an important factor. So when you look at the Mediterranean diet, it is the most studied diet it has the most data behind it, and um, and personally, it's the way I like to eat because I'm of Italian heritage, mm-hmm. and um, who doesn't like the Italian food, Spanish food, you know, all those things that you know sprouted from the Mediterranean Sea, the countries that surround the Mediterranean Sea. But it's it's basically a diet that's that's very much um, rich in vegetables, fruits, whole grains, nuts, legumes. Um, A lot of olive oil. Olive oil is very important in in BrainWorks Kitchen classes. It's the only olive oil, the only oil that we recommend cooking with on a regular basis. Um, Also in the Mediterranean diet, meat, eggs, and dairy take a much smaller role. They're at the top of that diet pyramid. So meat is not really at the center of the plate. What you're eating mostly is a plant-based diet made from whole foods. Um, And then they also you know, the way they eat in the Mediterranean um, is thought to be beneficial for the heart and the brain in terms of sharing food around a table in a leisurely fashion with a little bit of red wine. Um, All of those things are being studied in terms of its ability to prevent Alzheimer's.
1: Okay, great. Um, Yeah, because there are so many fad diets out there, you know, for people. It's hard to sort out what actually works and, and truly is beneficial, but... Um, the Mediterranean diet is, um, is pretty standard out there and, you know, there's been a lot of chit chat for, for many years. So it's, it's nice to hear that those that are, um, utilizing it or, or at least picking pieces from it to improve their own daily health that, that they're on track, that it isn't, it it, right. it, it isn't and hasn't been just a fad, um, that so many other of the diets are out there. How about the stress factor, um. You know, can you tell us a little bit about that, Dr. Stern, and and how you recommend people removing stress?
2: Please call me, me Martha. Okay. Um, uh, And before I do that, I just wanted to add something about why we think the Mediterranean diet or the MIND diet and some of these diets work. Uh, What is it about them that affects the brain? And it's the antioxidants. In, in these foods, antioxidants um, fight oxidative stress, which is uh, another term for that is uh, free radicals. And we're familiar with free radicals being unstable atoms that can cause damage that can both cause cancer, heart disease, and now we know dementia. And so um, the, it's the antioxidants in these foods uh, that protect have a protective effect. And um, the other thing I just wanted to add as well is while many studies show that the antioxidants in food are beneficial, those same antioxidants in supplements are not, uh, have not been shown to be effective. So I often have a lot of patients who come in and they're on like 10 different antioxidants, and I recommend that they go off most of them and eat better. And go to Annie's class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's you know the old, it, it's sort of a cliche when um, you tell people to eat the rainbow when
1: mm-hmm. it comes to
0: fruits and vegetables. But every single different color of all the vegetables and fruits that are that are available to us is a different chemical that can protect the brain. They're all phytonutrients. Um, they all have slightly different roles. So getting a variety of these colorful foods is one of the most important things you can take home from one of my classes.
1: Oh, wonderful. Well, that's that's good to know. Always good to know. Now, um, next, let's talk about the um, the computer system, the Brain HQ, um, how you got involved in that and, and why you feel that's important. Um, and, um, you know, Martha, do you want to go ahead and uh, take this one? Too? Yeah,
2: sure. So, um, BrainHQ is the program that um, has been studied the most in the medical literature. There, I'm sure you've heard of other programs like Lumosity, which mm-hmm. I think is a good program. Um, but uh, this is the one, BrainHQ, which came out of UCLA, um, is the one that's being studied. So, that's the one we chose to use because that's the one that uh, the literature supports the most. And I would say, of all of our evidence based uh, training that we do, the computer programs have the least evidence. But even since we stopped our last class, uh, more evidence is coming in. Um, There was even a Time Magazine article about a month ago showing that Brain HQ, a particular program in uh, Brain HQ, seems to uh, reduce risk and improve cognitive function. So that's why we chose that program. And um, what we do is Uh, Before we start the actual training, we do a a memory screening test that tells us how people are performing in the five major domains of the brain, which are language, short-term memory, attention, visual-spatial ability, and executive function, which is basically our ability to think rationally, plan things, navigate, sequence things, etc. So we measure them in all those domains and uh, just like our bodies, our brains are not uh, equal in all domains. So we identified the weakest areas and then gave them um, our our neuropsychological technician would then design an individualized training program for each person based on that test um, to strengthen, for example, in someone's attention and someone else's visual spatial ability and the the brain HQ uh, addresses all those domains. And then we would retest them after the program, and with very few exceptions, everyone improved. The test is actually designed to be repeated within a short period of time, so it's not just uh, test effect. And then we've had some people um, who have had, often attention, which is one of the domains, if people have issues with attention, which is very frequent because of stress and the high high speed of living in our lives, um, they, that can be mistaken as a memory problem. You're not focusing on something like where did you park your car and then you think you forgot where you parked your car and you get all worried about your memory. And we found that people who were worried about their memory but improved their attention felt much bo- better about their brains um, after. Um, the computer training.
1: Oh, that's that's good. So you're just seeing a sense of confidence. Um, and I think, you know, when we actively try to change something, it does make us feel better, you know, that we kind of got off the stick and stopped mumbling about it and actually do something. So if it's, if it's exercising your body, if it's exercising your brain, if it's eating right, you're taking steps and you're taking actions. And I always think that there's, you know, that in of itself. Um, I think and that's my personal thought, no studies done here. Um, but just makes us feel better, more confident, stronger. And, um, in, in terms of moving forward. Um, Let's talk about the sleep aspect. And um, I, I know that this is kind of a new one. I, I heard, uh, you know, Dr. Rudy Tanzi talking about this, how he's changed. You know, he, he thought it was great to sleep four or five hours, and he was proud of it. And he's like, not so much anymore, and, and trying to change his schedule. And um, you want to talk a little bit about sleep? And and Annie, do you want to take this one? Um, sure. So... Um, it's really
0: fantastic that people are starting to recognize the importance of sleep. And, um, and I say that as someone who didn't sleep much for most of my career, <laughs> um, retired around the age of 46 and then started to get, you know, seven hours of sleep a night and it radically transformed my health. I was also one of those doctors who was proud of, you know, I might, I might not sleep at all if I had delivered a baby that night or I might, you know, sleep three hours or four hours. But um, I absolutely believe that sleep is important. And this also is coming out of the data that we see that we need a certain amount of, um, of rest to the brain in order to clean up the amyloid plaque, which is a protein buildup that um, sort of paralyzes the brain and keeps it from communicating and functioning properly. And it's also those plaques are obviously, you know, what's associated with Alzheimer's disease, but that cleanup process happens at night. When we are when we are having our deepest, um, most restful sleep.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, um, Martha, do you find in in talking with your clientele that they have issues with sleep? Because I, I think most people I talk to say they don't sleep well. And I know for me, even just the last, I would say the last month, my mind has been crazy when I go to sleep. It's just thinking, 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 and, think and, think and no much. No matter how much I have to you know know that i need my sleep i sometimes i just can't turn my brain off and that's something fairly new and i don't feel stressed out or anything but um you know and so i've actually been playing and i'm not one to play kind of those no-mind no games on the computer but i'll i'll sit in bed and i'll play i don't even know what the name of it is it's a zen thing but it's you know getting things lined up and they blow up and it plays kind of Zen like music in the background. But it's just, I find that it's a no brainer for me and it, it clears, it, it does help clear my mind, which is kind of strange, but, um, it's working. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing it until my mind decides to kind of shut itself off. But do you see, and do you sense that there are, you know, people have a lot of problems with, with getting sleep?
2: Yes. Uh, it's, it's a huge problem. Um, And uh, how to treat it is challenging um, because there are so many sleep medications that are not good for the brain, which is a whole other subject, avoiding good and bad drugs, which is something we address in BrainWorks, so people read labels. But um, one of the reversible causes of uh, uh, memory problems, not necessarily dementia, is uh, treating sleep apnea. So... That's one sleep problem, and often those people who have sleep apnea think they're sleeping just great, and their spouse uh, will say, oh, as soon as his head hits the pillow, he's snoring, and uh, I can't sleep, but he sleeps through the night, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but we, what we find out is uh, that a lot of those people who are snoring or are not snoring, so I screen everybody with just a simple overnight oxygen study that they can do at home that doesn't cost very much. They just wear a little finger probe. And we see what their oxygen level is, which is probably more relevant at our altitude of 6,000 feet than uh, at sea level. But um, So that's one thing that can interfere with good sleep is um, poor oxygenation or obstructing at night. So we always look for that. But the other problem that you asked about is, yes, insomnia seems to be a nationwide Problem and um, I'm putting together a talk um, because part of this uh, brainworks is just educating people about things like sleep, the importance of it. Um, Annie addressed the the importance of sleep during is one of the importances that has been identified is that we clear amyloid from the brain, and one of the reasons that happens only during sleep is. Uh, that the brain brain actually shrinks a little bit during sleep. And so these things that we learned about in med school, Virchow spaces that nobody knew what they were for, they're these little holes in the brain um, that actually act as the brain's lymphatic system. So as the brain cells shrink, those Virchow spaces open up and these large protein molecules can be cleared. So that's a scientific explanation for why at least eight hours of sleep, um, and it, there's a myth that as people get older, they don't need as much sleep, and um, I definitely address that that myth quite a bit. So, sleep apnea, fragmented sleep, not enough sleep, um, taking the wrong things for sleep, like antihistamines, which are in a class of drugs that I would call anti-brain drugs. Um, all those things I address in my practice and we discuss in Brainworks.
1: Oh, interesting. And one personal experience I
0: had with women going through menopause is that um, in those perimenopausal years, women become very sensitive to alcohol and drinking alcohol in the yeah. evenings can really disrupt sleep, um, make it hard to fall asleep, make people wake up earlier. So part of what we're talking about is the sleep hygiene is sort of like how you take care
2: of yourself and
0: foster this part of your part of your life.
2: Interesting. And along that high, sleep hygiene, uh, I'd like to define that for you, Lori, and, and talk about your, your method because I use a similar method. You know that we are, With sleep hygiene, you're told things like go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, because we are creatures of habit, so that helps. Um, other recommendations are don't have any kind of stimulants like computers, iPhones, iPads in your bedroom. Don't use them. Don't watch TV because it can stimulate the brain. But I'm like you. I uh, play words with friends before I go to sleep <laughs> and it, it it helps me wind down. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's a little bit different. Um, and I also listen to podcasts uh, as I'm trying to go to sleep. And I figure, well, that's a win-win situation. I'll If I don't go to sleep, I'll learn something. But if I go to sleep, I get my sleep. So <laughs> so those are some of the other aspects of um, sleep hygiene.
1: Yeah, that's interesting with the no electronics, because I'm one that, you know, I have my phone right on my nightstand and stuff. And, and when I wake up in the morning, I'll do work Out of bed, you know. (laughs) While I'm still kind of rusting, and then I'll roll back over if I get up too early or something, and and uh, so I I probably have very poor habits with that. But I, but for the most part, I, I feel restful. It's just been recently now, and I don't know. I haven't been able to pin anything down that I'm doing differently. And I, I, I kind of chuckle when I play that game thinking, I can't believe I'm playing this game because I have like no games or any of that stuff on my phone, you know? And, and, uh, but I, I do find it just calming. It it makes my mind just think about nothing except that game. And it, it, I I don't know, maybe I'm more wrapped up in stress than I think I am or something. I must be.
2: I think you're right. I think it gets the chatter out of your brain because you're focusing on something and it's that chatter. That a lot of people, just like you were saying, I can't turn off my brain at night.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: And I Which even goes back to the stress thing that uh, you asked about, but we never actually talked about yet. Mm-hmm. If we have time.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: So um, there's, there is evidence that stress uh, can increase, uh, is a major risk factor for for, uh, Alzheimer's disease and that comes out of um, a study um, that was cited, effects of stress stress throughout the lifespan of the brain, um, an article in Nature in 2009, but there have been more studies since then. So we work on, in BrainWorks, is that other pillar is stress reduction And meditation is a big one, and that's aimed toward helping turn off that chatter. Mm -hmm. Um, And combining it with something with the body, you know, joining up the brain and the body is always helpful. So whether it's yoga or Tai Chi has been a big part of our previous classes, but we're looking at maybe getting a yoga instructor for our next class.
1: Okay, Great, and I'm a. I, I like to meditate, but I've I've noticed even for me sometimes I just right now for whatever reason I I lose focus faster, you know. And I know that there's others out there like that, and that's that has not been um, an issue. So, but I think our bodies are always changing, and we got to listen to them, and we need to adapt, um, you know, to to move forward with different things. Um, can we talk about? Um, you know, what data you have, you know, for your curriculum itself and kind of where you, where you pulled everything um, from and together. And then also, what kind of response are you getting from those coming to two-year classes? And um, I'm going to go and throw this to Martha first and then over to Annie.
2: Okay, so by what, what data, are you uh, asking what we use in the class itself or what uh, data support or give, give this an evidence-based quality?
1: I, I guess the evidence-based quality to it, yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh, before, uh, I mean, there's so much data out there to support this. So, But before our, our talk uh, today, I uh, printed off some articles um, that, that support what we're doing, and there's as we talked about the Mediterranean diet has been studied, and then we've talked about the Mind diet because of that study out of Rush. But we use peer-reviewed journals. You can always find anecdotal evidence, and I'm sure you've seen this, um, you know, with like coconut oil or, or jellyfish or you know sub- certain supplements, and there are many testimonials. Some things, but when you break it down and do a serious study, uh, the data don't bear it out. Another one is ginkgo. Mm-hmm. Uh, ginkgo thought to be good for the memory. All the studies that has been studied in peer-reviewed journals, which means you know large medical centers are doing prospective studies where they put a group on ginkgo and another group not, and then they compare their memories and they find nothing st- statistically significant. So, those are the types of studies that we uh, focus on the most, Um, and so there are lots of, there are gazillion studies about exercise, Um, um, more and more studies about diet, Uh, more and more studies, uh, and and these are what we call prospective studies, but you can also look at uh, research the literature and look at what are called retrospective studies, where People who are less stressed have a lower incidence of Alzheimer's disease. But um, unless you do a prospective study where you control for other factors, for example, we know, um, um, are you familiar with the blue zones? I, I can have oh, yeah, Annie,
1: with
2: Dan. Mm-hmm. Annie talk more about that, but the blue zones are areas where people Live longer without even trying. Theoretically, it's just their lifestyle. Um, one of the blue zones is in California, the Seventh Day Adventists. Um, the thing is, uh, so they're they're vegetarians. But is it because they're vegetarians, or is it because they also live a cleaner lifestyle in general? They don't smoke. They, uh, you know, ha- their attitude is that they're. Their body is their temple, and they exercise and take better care of themselves. So we don't know if it's diet alone when you look at something like that. But if you do a prospective study and um, put people on a specific diet and another group on a different diet and compare them over time, then then that's considered a very valid study. But the blue zones, do you want to talk a little bit? Yeah, more the about blue that? zones
0: are fascinating. Um, this started as a National Geographic project by. Um, Dan Buettner, and he's followed um, these five different um, places in the the world where people have an inordinate amount of centenarians, people living healthily into their hundreds and beyond. Um, Places like Sardinia, Okinawa, Japan, um, Costa Rica, Loma Linda, California. Um, So I like to look at the blue zones data to see what foods they eat and these are all different cultures Um, obviously they're eating more seaweed and soy in Japan than they are in Costa Rica Um, but there are common elements in the way they eat and the types of foods they eat so I actually give my my students a list of all the blue zone foods and ask them to choose foods from these these areas when they're cooking um, and I think it's just a really good example, too, with the blue zones is that, you know, we can create a brain healthy culture wherever we live. We don't have to be, you know, Sardinian or be from, you know, the place in Greece where everyone lives to be under five. Um, but we can learn from that. And we can create whatever kind of culture we want. Um, another another really important study that I draw from is the mind diet, which I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And the mind diet is a tweak of the Mediterranean diet. It was um, designed to make the Mediterranean diet specific for brain health. Um, so MIND is M-I-N-D, and it stands for the Mediterranean Dash Intervention for Neurodegenerative Delay. And the findings of the study were really remarkable. It came out of Rush University. They took almost a 1,000 healthy elders. So these are people with healthy brains that they're following. Um, They divided foods into 10 brain-healthy food groups and five brain-unhealthy ones, and they asked participants to assess their diet and just tally up what they're eating over the course of almost five years. So after five years, what they found was that people that ate more brain-healthy foods and less brain-unhealthy ones had a 53% reduction in Alzheimer's risk.
1: Wow. Wow. Wow, that's... And no,
0: no study has ever shown that no, no intervention, no drug, nothing that has really come out of medicine has showed that before. Um, another really cool thing about the mind diet is that people that didn't follow the diet very well, because <laughs> we know how hard it is to follow a diet. Mm-hmm. So the people that followed it maybe half the time, they still had a risk reduction of 35% of Alzheimer's disease specifically.
1: Wow. Wow, that's so great. reducing
0: your Alzheimer's risk by this amount is like adding seven and a half years to your brain span. That's and brain span is is like how long your brain functions at a high level in yep. your life.
1: Unbelievable. Um, well, let's. Gosh, I can't believe how fast this hour has gone. Let's talk about how someone who doesn't live in your community of of Jackson Hole how how they can work with um, both the BrainWorks class and the BrainWorks kitchen. So. So, Annie, how can, how can people work with your BrainWorks Kitchen um, cooking program?
0: Yep. Well, I think, um, you know, the reason I, I developed the BrainWorks Kitchen website is so that all this information will be available to people. And I have a, a portion of the website called Alzheimer's Prevention 101. And it's just a series of articles that would be the perfect place to start. Like if you want to know what are the 10 brain healthy food groups, that um, gave the mind diet research remarkable results. Um, I have those listed for you. What are the five brain unhealthy foods you should avoid? It doesn't mean you can't eat these foods, but they should be a minimal part of your diet. Um, I think that's a really good place to start. And then what I do is I just create recipes based on these brain healthy foods. And um, you know certainly there's recipes there, but if you already like to cook or know a little bit about cooking, you can figure that out on your own as well. Um, you can certainly come to a class, you can contact me through my website or on social media, um, and I can come to you and teach a class for a group of people. I just did a really fun class down in Boulder for nine women and we were spiralizing zucchini and making, (laughs) we made this amazing zoodle noodle salad with, uh, with almond butter sauce instead of sesame paste. Um, a lot of it is just substituting some brain healthy ingredients for the ones that are not so brain healthy. I also teach on a regular basis at Rancho La Puerta in Tecate, Mexico. It has a gorgeous cooking school. Um, I'm part of a seminar in Tuscany this fall that will focus on brain health and brain cooking. Um, and then you can always come to Jackson Hole. We, um, I'm calling our, our seven-day course in October a boot camp because that's kind of the way I think of it. We're going to you know, give everyone in, all the information they need to get started on this brain-healthy lifestyle um, in seven days rather than six weeks. Um but if um you know if all goes well we'll be doing a lot of those The people could come visit us here.
1: Oh wonderful. And and Martha, how about you for your um your Brainworks program? What's what's the best way for them to to get a hold of you? And um so, and engage if so, they're out uh, of
2: town? Um one of uh, there's two reasons why we're trying this um one week total immersion course maybe even three reasons because sometimes total immersion is is the best way to learn something like a language. Um, uh, one reason, one way is that uh, what Annie said is that we could make this a destination. Jackson is a pretty fun place to visit. And so uh, we could make this a destination resort sort of course oh, cool. for people where they could spend, you know, as opposed to a, a course that's strung out over six weeks that would be unrealistic for somebody to come in from out of town for six weeks but mm-hmm. for one week it would work
1: laura you could come visit us i yeah. know that's what i'm thinking that sounds like a lot of fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and
2: the other reason i wanted to do it this way is that um like a lot of medical meetings i've been to especially during ski season <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they you you get up early in the morning, you go to class and and then you ski all day and then you come back and go to more classes. So that's kind of the day is open. And in the morning we teach classes and then Annie's cooking class or computer training class late afternoon. So that working people, because we've gotten a lot of requests from people who would like to take this course, but they work. Mm -hmm. And, um, We've been doing it during the middle of the day when we're doing it as over six weeks. So um, I'm trying to design the course so that people who are working um, here in, in the area can, can take the course. Wonderful.
1: Now, we've got um, quite a few um, websites for you to be able to go um, visit. Um, Annie, I'm just going to have you highlight um, contact information, just, just one or two, maybe an email and your, your website that you'd like people to contact you on? Because on the, on the radio page and on the blog, we've got all of, all of them listed. But which are the, are the two that you'd like to shoot people to?
0: Um, the brain, BrainWorksKitchen.com
2: mm-hmm.
0: is the website. The email associated with that is BrainWorksKitchen at gmail.com.
1: Okay, great.
0: And you can search BrainWorks Kitchen on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, on Twitter, I'm Annie Fenn MD.
1: Okay, wonderful. And Martha, how about you? If people want to reach out to you,
2: so um, I can give you my phone number, and then um, I'm trying to find my actual website. We we do have a cognitive health website. And it's so St. John's Hospital in Jackson, Wyoming. I don't have the website right at handy, but um, if people look that up and then look up cognitive health, they'll find our website. Um, and then my phone number is 307 739 7434.
1: Well, great. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us today. It's really been thank an you. honor and a privilege, and I've learned a lot. And, um, gosh, it would be fun to come uh, for one of your week classes. Uh, that would be just just a riot uh, to be able to join you. So who knows? Maybe we can do that. <laughs> well,
2: what are you doing the end of October? We've got the date set. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: have to look at my speaking schedule and see, see where I'll be at. Okay. It would be
0: wonderful.
1: The host you here. Yeah. Well, sounds good. Well, you guys have a uh, great week, and we'll definitely be in touch as things progress. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, Lori.
2: Thank you very much, Lori. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. Um, for those of you that are new to our show here on Alive and Social, you might want to check out one of my uh, my uh, cohorts here. Uh, they have a uh, a show called What's for Dinner Tonight, and that is a podcast uh that is uh, <clears throat> is run by Rachel Perrin, who is the culinary director for Kowalski's Market. And they're only 10 to 15 minutes long per episode, but they have great suggestions for seasonal meals as well. Um, and I want to also say it's not too late to sign up for our Dementia Friendly Cruise that we're doing November 11th through the 18th to the Caribbean. Uh, you can uh, check that out. Just go to com. It's right on the home page. You'll click and you'll go uh, to the designated page itself. But special special rates are going to run out here in a couple of weeks, so you're going to want to take advantage of that. And then also people ask all the time about our past radio shows. Everything is archived. So you can go back for six years and listen away. I will be um, heading down to Boca Raton tomorrow, uh, for a speaking engagement. So if you're in Florida in that area, give me a shout out. And, um, and maybe we can meet in person. It's always fun to, to meet uh, some of my followers. I will also be, when I come back home uh, to Minnesota, I'll be in Maple Grove July 31st at the Silver Creek on Main. Uh, we're going to do a screening of His Neighbor Phil. Let me see what else do I want to tell you? I want to do a shout out to the caregiver Alert Center, um, which is also the a call Alert center, but they have one that 's specific for caregivers and they really just help people um, track somebody if they 're wandering if they would if they would wander away. They have a, a social media kind of blitz that they can do uh, to help you help you find that person. Um, I also got a a great notice in my email box the other day from the um, Newman Long-Term Care care Company, and they are giving away uh, five copies of Color Your Mind, which is the new coloring book by Maria Shriver. And so, again, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com, Uh, Go to our blog, and you'll be able to find more information on that. But that's the Newman Long-Term Care. So I want to just give them a big uh, kudos uh, for sharing that information and getting involved. We also have listed our helpful tips when dealing with dementia brochure on our homepage. And if you are interested in that, feel free to download it. Have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Bye, everyone.